This is the movie Hall of Fame. Class of Stephen King edition. <laughs> the only class of Stephen King ever in existence, I think. I think we're the first. Uh, well, I, you know what? There's not enough of on the internet people talking about Stephen King. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a very like moot, quiet subject these days. There's an author that the culture has just sort of forgotten about, huh? Yeah, yeah I know. He made, he made a couple great books and then you know it just just died it's just too bad that people sometimes after your death is when people will finally discover your genius he only he he did these six books that were that were adapted into six movies that we're going to talk about and you know these are it's it's a it's a shame yeah we've just never heard from him again i know um okay here's the thing about stephen king what 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 well I, i guess let me pose this as a question what do you think it is about stephen king books that have lent themselves to adaptation well, they're they're they they're just movie premise after movie premise, dude. Yeah, it's it's the premise more than anything, I think. Right. I mean, and it's also his his how eclectic those books are and how varied they are and like widely different. And you, do you, you think so? You because a lot of people will categorize him as strictly horror, and for the he's prominently that. But it's very interesting how he could do something that's horrifying, like like say The Shining, and then he can also do a really interesting drama like The Shawshank Redemption, or he could do the Green Mile series, or he could go on to do something that's more of a con- contained thriller like Cujo, and you 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 look at these premises on paper, and it's like, why isn't this a movie script? Yeah, and he's to this day still continues to do that, but. I think the problem is that I think we've sort of let him get away with too much mm. because there are certain stories that he's made that don't lend themselves to being a movie, but we adapt them anyway just because, hey, it's Stephen King. Right. Prime example is It. Sure. And uh, I, I, I love that first movie, but I mean that story as, as a whole simply does not work in movie form, and that was most evident with the sequel. Yeah. So Well, the sequel was sort of episodic right yeah which goes back to why didn't we just make it a miniseries which initially it was adapted as yep but that didn't work either for a variety of reasons Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's certainly true stephen king now is a brand it's like marvel you put the stephen king sticker on it and it's like yes it's a scary premise that kids can sort of enjoy but it's too mature to go with your parents um i think that's true that the stories are varied in their subject matter i still think a lot of Stephen King books feel of a piece. Sure. And these movies certainly have repeating Stephen King is. Oh. oh, God. I mean, there's certain characters that are literally only Stephen King. Like, you, you only get them at, at, out of a Stephen King novel. Like, if, like the, the. I mean, I shouldn't pin it down to just Stephen King, but it seems so, so much his thing because we see it so often. Like, the, the, the overly crazy religious lady that's sure. in like every single fucking Stephen King novel. Right. And it's in at least how many of these movies that we're doing? One, One two, two, and three. three. And um, uh, yeah. Three of these, right? Yeah, look at that. But that are prominent characters. Yes, exactly. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan. No. Um, it's just okay. I never read any Stephen King growing up. That mm-hmm. wasn't like my jam. It wasn't really mine either, if I'm being honest. So, But you're right. These are movie premises, and they're really simple. A lot of them are like short story and novellas, so they're Some easy of, to adapt. A few of these are, yeah, exactly. You know, you can fit them in a 90-minute time constraint, and uh, and it works pretty seamlessly. I also think there's just a general pulpiness to these stories. Mm-hmm. They're not quite like exploitation stories, but... It's close to Pulp Fiction. You know, they're silly. 
they feature aliens from other dimensions and monsters and ghouls and they're violent and the endings are uh you know schlocky they're schlocky stories and movies i think especially on a uh, on a blockbuster level are meant to be schlocky and pulpy and silly when are people gonna just admit that they like trash yes that's what it is man. i can i can say that like stephen king's stories utter trash sure there's nothing there's nothing wrong it doesn't mean they're not great stories yeah and, and well told but yeah the, the mist is about people stuck in a fucking grocery store with with aliens attacking them right i it's mean like, it's about a killer clown from another dimension that shapeshifts yeah and is scared of a giant cosmic space turtle <laughs> That's the thing about Stephen King, too, is that most of the time the adaptations are more tame than the books. Exactly. Yeah. And no seven way sex scene in your it movies anymore. Right. You don't you got plenty of that in the book. A lot of the time it's it's like neutered because he yeah. goes so crazy. Yeah. I mean, they're trashy paperback novels mm-hmm. that you would get for a dime at the gas station. And yep. similar to like the novels in Misery. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are silly crowd pleasing, uh, you know. Kids enjoy them, but also housewives enjoy them. It's not like, you know, the literature of the educated man. No, no. Which is fine. That's what movies are, and that's why we celebrate these movies. Well, those novels are closer to, like, Gone Girl than they are, like, fucking Catcher in the Rye. Sure. Not even close, so. Exactly right. That being said, there's a lot of great art in Stephen King, and there's a Absolutely. lot of great art in Stephen King movies. Yes, very I, true. I would say these are all movies that I really like, mm-hmm. and some of them I just straight out love. Me too. You know? Me too. And by the way, it's not slowing down anytime soon. The reason we're doing this podcast is because Dr. Sleep hits theaters this weekend. The sequel to The Shining, which is one of the movies we're going to be talking about today. Yep. Um, look, it's Stephen King season, as it's always Stephen King season. We're just going to keep adapting these things until we've run out of intellectual property. And then we're going to remake them all again. Yep. I was going to say, he could die, but that's not going to be the end of it. No. Not even close. Definitely not. I would expect It Chapter 3 is going to be around the corner pretty soon. What do you think? Well, they're talking about that. Yeah, they're actually doing it. You see, uh, curving back around to why we go crazy with Stephen King, I mean, have you seen Maximum Overdrive? I've not. That movie should should never have been made. <laughs> that that movie has no right to exist. Yes. That movie is an abortion, but for some reason it walks and it's living among us still. Yeah. And yeah, it's th- 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 why is this a thing movie through and through? Well, that is so, I think generally understood to be his worst movie, right? It's it's remarkably bad. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing, but uh yeah, like like didn't Lawrence Kasdan make that movie? Did he? I know Emilio Estevez is in it. Or maybe I'm thinking of a creep show. I think he I thought he directed Oh, you're right. Yes. No, Stephen, this Stephen is, King directed. That's right. Maybe Creepshow was the one Kasdan did. Yeah, yeah. okay. Stephen King both wrote the script and directed, and that yeah. was the last time he did that. But I think that's a different example. I think for the most part, we'll see as we talk about these movies, the ones that work the best are the ones that have an auteur behind the camera. Sure. And yeah. I, I just think, like, on the surface, Stephen King stories are not that compelling. But when done with a careful hand and a lot of style, they mm-hmm. work. Yeah, I agree. You yeah. know? And there's a bunch that we didn't list here. There was a lot. We yes. almost considered doing uh, two podcasts. Yeah. Because there's so many. So we, we did extend the list, though, to eight films as opposed to our usual six. Mm-hmm. And two of them we've talked about on previous yes. podcasts. So we won't dwell too much. But your eight nominees for induction into the Movie Hall of Fame are Carrie, The Shining, Stand By Me, 
The Running Man, Misery, The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and The Mist. Those are your eight in order of release, one of them getting into the Movie Hall of Fame. Correct. I have some honorable mentions. <laughs> some. Yeah, that almost made it. Okay. Uh, if you want to add some more, go for it. We mentioned Creep Show already. Children of the Corn. Mm. Creepy movie. It's, it's all right. Christine? Never saw. Good. Good? Good John Carpenter movie. Oh, right. Carpenter did that. Yep. Cujo. Cujo, we both really like, even though it ain't like great or anything. It's just a awesome, freaky, contained thriller. Yeah, my... Uh, mom used to call my old dog Cujo. Oh, God. That name just works for an evil dog. I don't know what it, it is. Does. What the hell is Cujo? Oh, kill it with fire. Ugh. It, of course, we've talked about it at length, mm-hmm. uh, so we don't have to dwell on that again. Pet Cemetery. The two se- Pet Cemeteries. Yeah, the new or the old. You yeah. haven't seen the new, have you? I have not, yeah. Neither have I. I heard it was okay, aside from the ending. Okay. So. And a couple Netflix movies by the director of Dr. Sleep, as a matter of yep. fact. Yep, yep, Gerald Gerald's Game mm-hmm. and 1922. Did he direct 1922? I think he did. Who's Mike, the guy's name? I'm blanking. Mike Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Yeah, I think he did. Hmm. Um, or maybe not. Maybe just a Gerald's Game. Oh. Yeah, I had no idea. All right, but Gerald's Game's pretty good, right? Supposedly it's really good, yeah. Yeah, okay. 1922 that was a that was a Netflix movie though I think oh yeah yeah with, with like Thomas Jane in it or whoever I think that's I think it's Thomas Jane oh Thomas Jane returning to the world of Netflix that's right <laughs> Zach Hilditch whoever the hell that is director I... of Rattlesnake okay <laughs> so there you go whatever let's talk these movies though yes Real quick, let's just power through Carrie and The Shining. And if you have anything else to say about them, oh God, I guess we can do that. So let's start with Carrie. 1976, directed by Brian De Palma, starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, Amy Irving, William Catt, and John Travolta, nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars for Spacek and Laurie, respectively. Number 46 on AFI's all-time thriller list and a member of of the National Film Registry, that is Carrie. Yep. Carrie White, a shy, friendless teenage girl who is sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashes her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates mm-hmm. at her senior prom. One of the things I wanted to talk about just for the sake of this pod is that they changed the ending from the novel yes. to the big screen. Stephen King really likes that change. Oh, he does? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm glad they did it. And I think that's... One of the main themes that we'll be discussing as we go through these movies is, uh, you know, sometimes when Hollywood steps in and tweaks these novels a bit, it's for the better. Okay, so it's, I guess, maybe a better movie than the book? Is that the idea? I think so. I haven't read the book, so I can't really speak to it. I haven't read it either. But uh, I love this movie, as we've talked about on the other podcasts. I've mentioned that it's my favorite Brian De Palma movie. Yeah, mine too. It's one of my favorite Sissy Spacek movies, if I really have a favorite Spacek movie. (laughs) Badlands is fantastic. Uh Uh, And yeah, no, this is just a really, really interesting and and fucked up coming-of-age story. That's just how I read it. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, about a woman or a girl becoming a woman in the worst way uh, imaginable mm. and it's 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 just i don't know it's one of those movies that never ever leaves your head yes yeah. it's 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 very much driven by 
like a Hitchcockian style, which is pretty evident because of Brian De Palma doing it, but also some really superb perf- uh, performances. Yeah. Which sometimes in De Palma films are a little bit flashy and like swishy and showy. This one feels, again, it's, it's, it's heightened a bit, but, but appropriately so for this material. I, I, I think it's oddly gritty and, and just, oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's very like nasty. It's a good way for me. I, I, I've always found this film to be particularly nasty with, oh, yeah. with its imagery. Yeah. Well, Sure. I mean, the the abuse that Carrie suffers at home is certainly part of it. But also when she's in the locker room. Everything. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. They're beating up on her. It's a real brutal look at high school bullies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why this movie works more than anything else is it's a relatable subject matter. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that King does very well. He disguises relatable subject matter, relatable sources of trauma in these supernatural premises. Carrie doesn't need to be... Uh, a telekinetic person she doesn't need to be able to kill people with her mind but you know that just elevates it to hollywood material at the surface this is just a real gritty dark disturbing high school movie Mm -hmm. about growing up and about having a crazy mom (laughs) which i guess uh, many people relate to nowadays i think look if this was not the first stephen king movie perhaps we wouldn't be talking about stephen king as glowingly as we now do it always surprises me that it's the first stephen king movie i always i forget about it all the time but it's it's i it makes you i guess yeah you're right it's because this you know was so good and so successful you know you understand where it all came from exactly understand that trend yeah Yeah. uh that's all i want to say about it if you want to hear more listen to our pod from 1976 we talk about it at length Mm -hmm. Um, and much better. <laughs> but for now, we got to get moving. Yeah, we'll keep going. And let's talk about The Shining. Yep. Another movie that we nominated in 1980. Yep. Some contention over which should have won. That was a tough year. That was a tough oh, year. Oh, yeah, very tough year. Yes. Raging Bull ended up getting in. Yeah. But it was also this and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, which, which in retrospect, whew, sometimes I think about maybe we should have gone Empire. Tough call, man. It was it was hard. There's a lot of Scorsese in the movie Hall of Fame. We were early. That was our second week, right? Wasn't it? Oh yeah, because we. I think we did it because it was such a strong year. It's like no matter what we put in, it'll be correct. And then we like sat on it again, and we're like, oh boy. Yeah, this is definitely something I've learned. Uh, not to toot our own horn a little too much, but uh, you have to do the pot a while to get a sense of what we're looking for. And I yeah. think we've gotten better over time at like identifying what movie excellence means like yeah. what deserves a spot in the hall of fame yeah. it's got to mean something to us it's got to be something that we're passionate about yeah. it has to it, it should have changed cinema mm-hmm. in some way and i don't know if raging bull would necessarily fit the definition if we were doing it now it'd be very close but we also but ultimately you kind of just alluded to this that it has to fit more than anything, our idea of what the movie Hall of Fame is. Yeah. It has to fit like our personal criteria. And I guess that's what every list at the end of the day is. Sure. It's like no matter how quote unquote objective you get, you can never be totally objective. There's still a little bit of bias there. Mm. Yeah. I want to make the same point about The Shining that I made about Carrie, which is, uh, but by the way, Stanley Kubrick directed, mm-hmm. written by Stanley Kubrick as well, starring Jack Nicholson, Shelley Duvall, Scatman Crothers, and Danny Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, nominated for no Oscars, but two Razzies, including Worst Director and Worst Actress. <laughs> um, Crazy. But, but of course has gained a cult following since. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. The movie that will be producing the sequel, Dr. Sleep, next week. Yep. Um, 
Look, Stephen King doesn't like this movie. No shit. He doesn't like it because Kubrick made a lot of changes. There's no twins that murdered each other with an axe in the book. Nope. There's no elevator with blood pouring out of it. Nope. In the book. There's no hedge maze in the book. No. The ending is changed. Jack does not die mm-hmm. after freezing to death outside. Yep. There's no here's Johnny moment. There's no all work, no play transcript on the typewriter. That axe is actually a croquet mallet in the book. Yeah. So uh, Red Rum, I guess, is there. But beyond that, and I guess the general framework, but yeah. a lot of artistic liberties. Here's the point I want to make about Stephen King. Although he is a brilliant writer, uh, fuck you for hating this movie. Yes. This is another example of, listen, sometimes Hollywood needs to get in the way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a brilliant director needs to say, hey, <laughs> maybe we don't include the psychic turtle that the it monster is afraid of. I know. Maybe may, maybe we uh, we can uh, we can make Jack die outside, not in a fiery blaze <laughs> yes. um, in the Overlook Hotel. Sometimes you need to approach these stories with a Hollywood sensibility, and there's nothing wrong with the Hollywood machine turning Stephen King material into a movie. No. You know? And the problem is, like, if he were to, were to have done that, you could sort of fall into a lot of the trappings that I guess a lot of other Stephen King uh, novels do. I mean, they're, they're very similar, and I mean, if you have it end the way he intended it to end, it's very similar to the ending of Carrie. Yeah. You know, and you, you borrow a lot, and it just doesn't feel fresh or interesting at all. And there's, and I think for what Kubrick was going for with that sort of cold, detached feel, it fits the end. The, the ending makes is far more appropriate for me anyway. Oh, yeah. But I mean, this, and we, we've talked about this before, but this movie is just, I, I mean like one of the great atmospheres ever created on film. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I can't get enough of this. This is one of those like, like Halloween staples for me that yeah. I feel upset if I don't watch at least once a year, that kind of thing. And it's one of Kubrick's best films. It's one of my, it's like, I don't know where it ranks for my Kubrick films. It's maybe like, like three or four. It's tough for me. This is up there for me. I think maybe I only go strange love ahead of this. Strange love was my number one, but I, I, I really love paths of glory. Yeah. You need to see it. And, yeah. uh, uh, of course, I love Clockwork Orange, but I sort of flop on that one every once in a while. I mean, The Shining is just my favorite horror movie. I think it's the best horror movie ever made. I know we've had disagreements in the past. I don't um, even care if if you think it is. It's like it's fine because, yeah, it could, <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. I think you're right, though. The sense of atmosphere is is what has, I think, lent it to a natural sequel. I mean, I, we yeah. never thought we would get a Doctor Sleep. We never thought we would get a follow-up yep. in the way that we're getting it this week. Um, but I think people are just anxious to return to this world. Well, it's a movie that is just, I mean, the thing that makes it so great more than anything is that, 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 uh, direction and yeah. that style. Cause I don't think the the story is anything that that's like remarkable or anything. No, it's a story about abuse, about domestic abuse, Yeah, domestic abuse. It's about, you know, cabin fever or that kind of thing or isolation rather, mm-hmm. you know, and what happens when you're stuck in a place for too long or, or <laughs> some people have even deciphered it as what happens when you get writer's block. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Sure. Uh, but it just, it, again, like taking those simple ideas and just making it as, as unnerving as possible and um, rooting it in reality, rooting yeah. it in family dynamics mm-hmm. and like a crazy father that yep. is in a loveless marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, doesn't care for his son all that much. I mean, all that shit is real. It's visceral. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I love watching this movie. And it's the one that you revisit and pick up new things every time. And I, I can't, I, can't I, I love that family dynamic and how like understated it is a lot of the time, especially in the beginning and how you're slowly picking up on how fucked up this family actually is. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, I don't know about you, man, but I, I look at this list now and 
I think a common theme is most of these movies made significant changes to their novels. Yes. Um, and I just think that's going to be a common theme as we pick up on it. Mm-hmm. The, the ones I love the most are the ones that are least loyal to the source material. Yep. So that's The Shining, and I believe we will be talking about it later in this program. Absolutely. I think that's safe to say. All right, let's get into the new ones now. Yeah. And let's begin with 1986's Stand By Me. Yes. Directed by Rob Reiner, starring Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, the late River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, and Jack Bauer himself, Kiefer Sutherland. Yep. Dude, I love teenage Jack Bauer. <laughs> I, I love old school Kiefer. He's great. I'm a sucker for Kiefer Sutherland, dude. He's the biggest shithead I've ever seen in a movie in this thing, though. Yeah. Like, my God, you can't get any worse as a human being. I always wonder, like, like kids were never that shitty, were they? Yeah. I mean, maybe they were, but I mean, I've never known anyone like that. <laughs> yeah, well, ones that ended up working for CTU later in life. <laughs> Perhaps had a rough upbringing. Precisely. <laughs> it was nominated, by the way, for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. Um, after the death of one of his friends... A writer recounts a boyhood journey with his friends to find the body of a missing boy. Yep. Um, talk to me about your relationship to Stand By Me. Uh, it's it's a film I saw as a kid. Didn't remember much of it. And then I grew up, saw it again at school, and it like it instantly became one of my favorite movies. Yeah. This movie, it's it's one of those like 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 great ones that I throw on every once in a while. It just like warms my heart. Watching this movie, I guess I can't help but love it. I can't help but see myself in each and every one of these kids, you know, and just even even the adventure they go on. Not that I was ever looking for a body in the woods, <laughs> but just like being out there in the wilderness and just going on stupid adventures and you know getting in a lot of trouble or, or almost almost getting hurt and things like that. Or just almost learn. getting hit by a train on the middle of a bridge. Maybe almost getting hit by a car. Yeah, I just just again like like so. Yeah, it's so personal to me, and and I love the dynamic of these kids. It wouldn't work without that, and uh, it's just it's one of those like like comfort food kind of kind of movies that you can just throw on and, and and feel good about yourself. It's a movie that's been ripped off a lot. Yeah, and now we have a million other attempts at eighties coming of age mm-hmm. stories, and they just don't work. And I think for the most part, it's because of these kids and their performances. Yeah. Like these kids are legitimately good. Like River Phoenix is awesome in this movie. Yeah, I, well, I was watching this uh, actually a couple weeks ago, and I I, I, we, I always get to the point where um, uh, um, they 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 have the gun. Yeah, he shows them the gun, and they're just excited the fact that they got a, a real gun. Sure, and and they're like, well, don't don't worry, like I I would never keep it loaded. <laughs> and then they fire at the can, and then they run off. Uh-huh. And not only is that something that. I, I oddly relate to a little bit. And, <laughs> but Did you have a lot of guns hanging around with your friends at age 12? Mm, I never had a gun, but some of my friends did. Really? Yeah. Were you ever like exposed to them? <sighs> there was ever target practice in the backyard? We used to do, if it wasn't like an, a gun gun, it was an airsoft gun. Oh, or, yeah. Or like a pellet gun or things like that. But we had we had some instances where we were like brought to like 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 ranges or something like that. Or we were out in the woods. Like, not so long ago. that A couple of years ago that happened actually. Oh, really? You know. Well, not at 12 though, right? No, no, at, mm, <laughs> at 12. One of the things we would do. You're at, doing a lot of thinking. At, one of the years at 12 is that we would have like bow and arrows. 
Oh wow! Yeah, and that that was a common thing for, I feel like for I'm, some I'm, stupid I'm reason. Digging into a lot of repressed memories that you have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of weapons. Yeah, yeah. Around the hall, boys. Yeah, we we th- throw throw knives around and machetes a lot, that kind of thing. And um, that was not my experience. I was also not the kid. If we were in the treehouse mm-hmm. and they were like, "Yo, let's go find a dead body," I would have been the one saying, "Yeah, I'm going to sit this one out, guys." Oh, I would have been like, "Fuck yeah!" Yeah, I know let's you would have. I'm the kid that's like, "Yeah, I'm just going to go play computer games for." couple hours and you call me once you found it we actually send me a postcard i rec- i distinctly remember it after school one time uh this is when i was a little bit older but like similar like like i think i was i don't know like 14 and then a couple buddies of mine like let's go to let's go to upson road which is the scary road that that's close to our high school yeah and they were like yeah there's there's this dead deer over here and it's been rotting away let's let's go see it and then we go to it and it's just this 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 mass of bones just sitting there and we're like Oh, look at that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and that was the that was the day. It's like, okay, let's go home. I'm sitting that one out. No, I don't want to go see the dead deer. Yeah. Yeah. Nico's got a fever that day. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> one of the interesting things that Will Wheaton said in an interview afterwards. Yeah. Um, by the way, do you think this is the the better Rob Reiner, Stephen King adaptation between this and Misery? We'll talk about Misery in a second, I guess. I mean, I personally like it more for my own reasons. Yeah. I don't necessarily think it's a more well-made movie. Okay. I just think, like, the Rob Reiner sensibility here works a lot more. Like, there's a... Maybe. There's a quality to Rob Reiner, and we'll talk more when we get to Misery. There's a real, like, sort of hallmark feel to his movies. Maybe. They're kind of inspirational. They all have this underlying optimism... I never like thought about an, a Rob Reiner film though. It's not it's not one of those directors that I would ever have gotten right. excited for. It's just like he just makes solid good movies. Well, because I think he works with good people. Yes. he has good actors and good scripts, and yeah. he doesn't get in the way. Okay, yeah, right, it's true. And I just think in this case, the optimism and like the joy that these kids have mm-hmm. um, just works with the Rob Reiner like cookie cutter television mentality. I don't want to talk about it in like a disparaging way, but that's kind of what it is. Well, no, I I was going to say like, as far as like stylistically, there's nothing special going on here at all. Like it's very cut and dry and, and almost like assembly line quality. You know, you're just, you're just getting a job done and what makes it work are are more so the characters that inhabits his films more than anything. Yeah. It's, it has nothing to do with the filmmaking, but again, if if that's what your movie chooses to be, you better do it right. Yeah. And this is absolutely one of those examples. Well, Wheaton said about Reiner though, that, he found four young boys who basically were the characters we played. I was awkward and nerdy and shy and uncomfortable mm. in my own skin and really, really sensitive. And River was cool and really smart and passionate. And even at that age, kind of like a father figure to some of us. Jerry was one of the funniest people I had ever seen in my life, either before or since. And Corey was unbelievably angry and in an incredible amount of pain and had an absolutely terrible relationship with his parents. And, uh, I, I just think that's what shines through is that these kids really inhabited their parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they're so good in it because they're not really acting. Well, that's the thing. It's just really, really good casting. You wonder if he like interviewed them beforehand. Right. You know, and there's a reason why Corey Feldman has been through such shit since then. We don't need to talk about that. No, we don't. But, uh, you know, he's a really troubled character. And the scene where they find the body and he's crying about his dead brother. Yeah. So moving, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely a tearjerker for me back in the day. Me too. That me too. scene for me is like that elevates the movie by a whole star. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This I mo- love Stand By Me. This movie, like again, it's, like I said, kind of just warms me up. Yeah. In that way, and I, it makes me sad that we didn't get more River Phoenix too. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. He, he really is remarkable. Yeah, man. I We didn't get enough River Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix collaborations. Could you imagine what that would have been like? Oh, God. I mean, for real. Think about what that could have been. I mean, to see what Joaquin became. Yeah. And then to think that River was supposed to be the star. Yo, how You about, know what I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's true. That and, but, tr- and Joaquin, we got he was sort of like the, the younger brother who wasn't as attractive. The, and the weird younger brother. Not as there. charismatic. And now Joaquin's this superstar and I he know. lost his brother. But I'm, I'm sure a lot of that, too, is the loss of his brother. True. Yeah. Like what he puts into his performances. Could you imagine a Joker Batman movie where River plays Batman? Oh, God. You what ima- a great what a tra- that's the tragedy enough mm-hmm. that's that's it right there mm-hmm. oh my god that would be just the best movie ever made <laughs> yeah it's over it's a wrap <laughs> give it all the oscars my god yeah all right let's talk the running man okay, okay. 1987 directed by paul michael glazer uh based on the novel by stephen king however he was credited in the movie as richard bachman i noticed that on the rewatch I did the other day, I flipped on just an hour of The Running Man. Didn't want to overdo it. Just caught the, the first half. I rewatched it myself. Uh, starring, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Listen to this fucking cast. Maria Conchita Alonso. Mm-hmm. Jim Brown. Jesse the Body Ventura. As a character named Captain Freedom. <laughs> is the most hilarious part of the movie when you think that Jesse Ventura went on... To be governor of Minnesota for the Libertarian Party. Yep. For Jesse Ventura, conspiracy theorist and crazy politician, to be named Captain Freedom is so incredible. <laughs> and of course, Richard fucking Dawson. Yep. Um, Your Richard fucking Dawson. My Richard Dawson. Yeah. A wrongly convicted man must try to survive a public execution gauntlet staged as a game show. Uh, some background information for you, Adam Hall. Um, before I grew up, to be the multi-talented podcaster writer that I am today. Yeah. Before I fell in love with <laughs> you fucker <laughs> with Quentin Tarantino or uh, Larry David or Jerry Seinfeld, Dave Chappelle. Before all- I won my Oscar, keep going. <laughs> Before all these guys <laughs> became my hero, and you know what I mean, because all these guys at some point in in my life they, they were my heroes, right? Yeah. Um, a young Nico wanted to be a game show host. I know. I know. In fact. A young Nico wanted to be Richard Dawson. (laughs) Richard Dawson was the guy. I'm eight years old. I'm watching Family Feud reruns on the Game Show Network. Richard Dawson is getting so much action on a 1970s television set. I'm just watching him fucking tongue and all making out with every broad on the stage. And he's hosting a game show. My favorite game show, mind you. Richard Dawson is the guy. You are the weirdest (laughs) fucking kid I've ever known in my life. You you don't... Okay. Okay. Stop for just half a second. You're, You're not like... Okay. 
I'm 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 a young kid, and, right? And and I and I see I don't know I'm, I'm like super young, and I see I don't know, but Brad Pitt and Troy, I right. w- I want to be an action hero like him, right? You want to be Neil Armstrong, yeah, yeah, right? You want to be a you want to be a, like oh that firefighter that saved people from a building, right? All that other no, I want to be a game show host, yes, sir. I specifically want to be Richard Dawson, yes, sir. I want to be having I, p- potentially unconsensual on air. <laughs> I would not call that unconsensual. The the women knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. Okay, fine. He's there. There's like 80-year-old ladies. There's an 80-year-old lady at the front of the podium who's like the matriarch of the family. And then you got the granddaughter at the other end who's like 16. And the way that Richard looks into their eyes and gives them a smooch on the lips is exactly the same. All right. There is. He does not discriminate. Every woman got a kiss on the lips on that show. That's fucked up. You want it you wanted to be swapping saliva <laughs> with all those all those fruitful women? How is that not the greatest job on television? <laughs> How is it not the greatest job in the country? Do, well What an amazing career. It's an interesting career. What changed your mind? Nothing. I still want to be Richard oh, okay. Dawson. Well, well, Absolutely nothing changed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Reality changed my mind, Adam. There you go. That I will never be Richard Dawson one day, but I can dream. All right. Um yeah, I, I wanted to be a game show host. I was obsessed with game shows. I have a book in my room that is the encyclopedia of television game shows, and it's about that thick and it has a meticulous documentation of every game show that's ever aired up until like two thousand three. Yes. Um and Richard Dawson was the guy great on match game right. still the best host of family feud better than steve harvey can ever dream of being um and so as a child probably way too young i was like oh my god richard dawson mm. is in a movie with arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> give me this <laughs> so yeah. i watched this many years ago and every once in a while i revisit it um and i remember it just being the greatest thing that i've ever experienced at age eight yeah i i don't know when i saw this movie uh-huh. i think i just caught it on tv and I watched it, and I was like, that was the stupidest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and and I, I, I couldn't possibly love it more. Yeah. Th- that being said, <laughs> th- there, are, there are two camps, mm. I think, you, when, when looking at Arnold of this period. I think Predator is a, se- a separate argument or discussion altogether. Well, I you think-, think that Predator is a deconstruction of the Arnold movie, right? Yes, I do. But I think when you're looking at Arnold movies, yeah, yeah, because Predator, I don't think, fits this category at all. I no. think it's completely in, separate and apart. Predator is commenting on movies like The Running Man. Precisely. Yeah. But if you were to talk about Arnold films, people fall into two camps, in my opinion. Again, Terminator's different. I think the two movies could be this and Commando. Yeah. I'm a Commando guy. Oh, really? Personally. Okay. Yes. Okay. And wh- what is the difference? Uh, I... I, it's 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 a good question. Is one in on the joke? One isn't. Because Commando's in on the joke. Absolutely, and I I think part of that helps. Yeah. I I don't I. But I I think Running Man, I, I especially say, I'm watching last night. I thought Running Man was kind of in on the joke. It's self aware. There's some I, there's a very I don't know what it is about Commando. There's just something about that movie that works a little bit better for me, and maybe. Huh. We got to like like break this down cuz I really don't understand. Yeah. Why cuz I should like this just as much if not more, but for some reason I always find myself loving. Maybe it's just seeing Arnold in his commando outfit taking off his shirt trying to be uh 
trying to be um, uh, Rambo, but not taking himself as seriously. Yeah, there's a real like physicality and grittiness to it. Yeah, he's really dirty in that movie. He's ro- rolling around in the mud. He's got face paint. That's it's, right. Yeah. You know, where this movie, he's in like steampunk. Yeah, he's got a shiny jumpsuit on and he's running on national television. And so, I, I think just inherently, they're two very different. I mean, they're not different tonally, but they're different in terms of subject matter, right? Exactly, yeah. So uh, I, something about that 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 premise works a little bit better for me in Commando, seeing him do do that rather than doing this. I don't know. Right. Um, look, man, Arnold's not good in it. Of course he isn't. Can I just say that he's? this is the worst I've ever seen Arnold, I think? I mean, he is, like, unforgivably bad in this movie. <laughs> there is not a single line reading that I buy. No. I, I think his one-liners are abhorrent painful painfully bad hey lighthead hey christmas tree <laughs> there is no fucking way that they wrote that what did he say There's about n- the guy got the chainsaw up the dick oh and like what happened to him oh him he had to split <laughs> it's it's not as bad as the sub-zero line though oh here's your sub-zero now plane zero <laughs> <laughs> even the i'm back yep. terminator reference mm-hmm. here's another thing i'm thinking about like 1987 was terminator because what year did that come out 84 yep three years later terminator was already part of the public consciousness yep where you could reference it and it would get a big laugh yep they did the same thing in commando he said an i'll, I'll be back bennett in that so. oh okay yeah. so i guess yeah that was just his catchphrase at the time yeah i guess so he still does it every. He did it in the Expendable movies. And okay, well, yeah, movie. that's a little different. So, yeah, look, it's of course super corny, and of course it's not a good movie. But uh, I, I do want to say this: first and foremost, um, it looks pretty fun. Yeah, it's a really cool world, and visually, it's interesting. And number two, Richard Dawson is legitimately great. Yes, I agree. He's legitimately great. He is such a piece of shit in this movie. Yeah, and for a former game show host, I guess he he was on Hogan's Heroes, so he did a little bit of acting before he got into game shows. Yeah. But for a guy to deliver a villain performance like that, which just, he steals every frame of this movie. Mm -hmm. He's really, really good. I agree. And that's one of the reasons why I responded so well. There's a lot of him in this movie, and he makes the most of his screen time. Well, he gives a lot of authenticity to the movie that I think wouldn't have been there otherwise. Right. Because when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is a super corny, dumbass Arnold film where Arnold is... like like unusually bad and he's usually not that great in his movies but this is like unacceptable but for some reason i'm 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 buying into this because of that guy dawson dawson is is actually a great game show host in this that's that's the thing is half the performance is being a charismatic pretty guy on a tv screen Mm -hmm. and it's like oh that's why millions of women allowed richard dawson to molest them on a television (laughs) set like you know like that's why we, there's such a familiarity and there's a sexiness and there's a charisma to him but a self-awareness too at the yes, same time and for which, sure and like 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 acutely aware of what he's doing and it just it makes it it feel like okay I'm, I'm safe watching this thing because he's kind of taking me along for that ride which is so ironic because he's the villain of the movie but i feel more comfortable when he's around right <laughs> because of the type of movie he's placed in this movie is so 80s it hurts my head oh it's so 80s. it is so un <laughs> unforgivably 80s like i i almost can't take it right it's ridiculous every single 
single thing about this movie, down to the aesthetic, to the hairstyles, to the fucking clothing, everything about this movie, to the way people talk, those stupid fucking gymnastics videos that they need to watch. <laughs> like, this movie is... Like jazzercise, yeah. Like, like fuck, man. This movie is out of its head. Yeah. But, look, man, I really like it. Me too. It's, <laughs> it's a shit ton of fun. It is a shit ton of fun. I was thinking about this, too, in terms of uh, it being a Stephen King movie, because that's the thing with Arnold. And look, it happens now with Dwayne Johnson. Like, if Gillian Flynn wrote a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie, you wouldn't think of it as a Gillian Flynn movie. the, The Rock's presence and his brand would just overwhelm it. True. This is an Arnold movie. This is not a Stephen King movie. No, that's the problem more than anything. And I got to imagine, again, I haven't read the book, but I imagine that there were a lot of interesting ideas in that book Mm -hmm. that just didn't transfer over because it doesn't work when you have Arnold Schwarzenegger on screen. Which makes me wonder what a remake would look like at this this day and age, how different it would be. Because, I mean, aesthetically, like, that city looks identical to, like, Blade Runner. Right. And I I wonder if that's really what he was going for in the book. Yeah. I mean, probably not from when he probably wrote the thing. Yeah. So, and the the movie reminds me, it reminds me a lot of RoboCop, and they came out at the same time, too. Yeah, same year. Yeah. uh, But it's not RoboCop at the same time. But there's a similar... There's a schlocky feeling to both of them. Yeah, I agree. I love RoboCop a lot more, but... Yeah. I don't know what... Yeah. I'm trying to... To understand why I, I don't love this as much as I love like those other movies, though. Right. You know, because it, it checks a lot of those boxes. I just think it's very clean. And there's a lot of winking and there's a... Uh, it, it's not... It's not doesn't have like the gritty backyard feeling that Commando does. And maybe that's what you're looking for. Maybe. In yeah. more of these movies. Which we've discussed before. Yeah. There's a crispness to the to this. Um, one that I don't have a problem with, but yeah, no. you're that I would be interested to see a remake because I imagine that there's a lot of ideas in it about our, our nation's obsession with television and yeah. image oh, and yeah. uh, the, the whole dystopian future. I think the ending I read this online involves the Schwarzenegger character flying a plane like into like kamikaze style into the television studios and just destroying everything. And yeah. so in this one, he gets away with the girl and everything's obviously you couldn't do that post 9-11. Yeah, I was going to say that anymore. ain't going to play well now, nowadays. Yeah, but there is like a real desperation and dourness to the novel that just didn't come through. But again, it's an Arnold movie, mm-hmm. you know, because this is not that. I mean, it's it's the villains are so comically over the top. Right. Everything they decide to do is comically. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I love when the riot starts in the prison and like immediately once they like start like tr- trying to, to get out of that place, they just start shooting all the prisoners. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like what? Like calm the fuck down. Well, that's what hit me at the beginning of the movie is they don't spend any time with exposition. Nope. They're just like, yeah, Arnold's a cop. He refused to fire on innocent civilians. So they, uh, they fire him. Yeah. It's like, and they put him in prison. It's like, wow. <laughs> the, see, the thing is that that's actually like a real thing though. Like, like editing your footage to, to push a certain agenda or, yeah, or a no, different story. Are, you're right. There's a lot of interesting ideas in that. I mean, that would be even more interesting to explore if they like played it like super serious too. Right. I, especially I, in this day and age. I would love to see that movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where television, uh, w- the, the spin of cable news manipulates our perception of reality it's really cool and scary but the thing is i i thinking about it like could they remake it if 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 they're i mean it's because it's an arnold movie and it has that level of like iconography attached to it do you think they would be able to do that i think you could or would they make it more like this well i think it would look like 
the remake of Watchmen on HBO. It would probably be like a good miniseries okay. for HBO. Because they did Total Recall. Yeah. But see, now that's a little different, though, because Total Recall is not really an Arnold movie. You know what I mean? Not, not exactly. You know, Total Recall has an auteur behind the camera. Yes. So this was just a, a cash grab studio product. Gotcha. Okay, okay. I don't know, though. I'd be interested to see it. Me too. A lot of interesting ideas. Yeah. Uh, look, if you're in for a good time, you're sitting around with some friends on a Saturday night, you have nothing to watch, you could do a lot worse than The Running Man. Yeah, throw on this stupid thing. It's a lot of fun. By the way, this is the show that inspired American Gladiators. Yeah, I read about that too. That's so funny to me. Right. We're, we're going to do exactly that, but without the murdering part. Yeah, we're just going to take the murder out. That's your TV show. <laughs> and they did it, and it worked very well. I love American Gladiators, yeah. the game show. How could you not? <laughs> That shit is the best. <laughs> oh boy, The Running Man. What a what a movie. It's a movie and a half. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I'm just so happy I finally got to have a proper Richard Dawson conversation. Yes, I'm, I'm glad podcast. you had it. You, you feel you feel you're changing colors. Nico. I've been holding that in for a while. You have, yeah. yeah. I'm happy for you. I can finally be the true me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! The kissing bandit. I'm not happy about that actually. Misery. Also directed by Rob Reiner. Written by the great William Goldman, mm-hmm. starring James Caan, Kathy Bates, and Lauren Bacall. Kathy Bates, incidentally, won Best Actress at the Oscars in 1990. Yes. Her villain, Annie Wilkes, was declared the number 17 villain of all time on AFI's Top 50 list. After a famous author is rescued from a car crash by a fan of his novels, he comes to realize that the care he is receiving is only the beginning of a nightmare of captivity and abuse. Weird movie. Yeah. Yeah, a weird movie. Very weird. Very uncomfortable. Uh it's it's odd seeing it's odd seeing these actors in these parts, in yeah. my opinion. Well, especially now. Yeah. Cause at the time this was like Kathy Bates coming out party, right? She was relatively unknown in nineteen ninety. At that point, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. So this was kind of like a I've arrived performance. But James Caan yeah. is on the back end of The Godfather. I know. And he's been, you know, for years in the shadow of like De Niro and Pacino mm-hmm. and even to a certain extent Duvall. Yeah. Who were all, I think, offered the part. I think I read that somewhere. A bunch of them were offered the, the lead. And they were offered the it. part? Yeah, a bunch of those guys. I'm not, I think Warren Beatty was, was in line at one point. But all of them wanted to play it big, and they wanted to be more active participants in the story. And Khan was the only one that was like, yeah, I'll just lay in this bed for 90 minutes as Kathy Bates steals every scene. Okay. And that's sort of the thing. I don't know what you feel about James Khan in the movie, but uh, I actually find that performance to be really confident. Me too. No, I think it's very confident. I mean, he, he doesn't... It, more often than not, when you see actors do a, a role like this, you can actually see their frustrations with the, the character and their performance mm. when they don't fully understand what they got themselves into. But there is a level of like sincerity and authenticity to this the, this character and his performance and everything he does. I I, I think the 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 I don't, it's not frustration; it's just the odd parts about this movie come after like the horrible things start to occur because there's a strange shift in, in the movie like horrible really odd disturbing things will happen but then the movie will kind of take a break and kick back right and it's a strange like like, like tightrope that this thing walks isn't that reiner though yeah i guess so that's like his need to 
have relief every so often and you need a laugh line and mm. you need to light the scene brightly because you, you can't just sink your audience into a state of depression. Yeah. Which I think this material, if it was done, I'm not saying that he did a bad job with Misery. No, but, no, 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 no. Because it's a good movie. Um, you know, if the material was done to its fullest extent, it would look a lot darker than this. That that was always my my thing. I was just like, like they're going in this direction. Like, okay, and it works. Uh, I think most of the time. Yeah, I don't think it's totally absent from where it should be, but I I do find myself like 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 after the spoiler, she breaks his feet. Oh God! Which is a one of the most horrifying images we will ever see. Oh, period. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's classic. Like like everyone's when you, when you cite misery, you cite the what, what's the name of that thing that they do? There's a there's a punishment, right? She like I forget exactly what the terminology is, but she puts the board in between yeah. his ankles. And exactly, this is a sledgehammer. Fucking, sle- I'm just like, <laughs> and you're like, well, they're not going to show. Oh my god, they just, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, but there's like a matter of factness to it because I know. it's William Goldman and. Mm-hmm. He makes, for the most part, feel-good Hallmark movies. <laughs> so when you see something so horrifying in that context, it would be like if you were watching the Hallmark Channel Christmas time and you <laughs> yeah. just saw a guy get decapitated. Yeah. You know, it's like, bro. <laughs> Not too far off. It's almost more disturbing. Like, I'm thinking about this. Imagine if Nicholas Winding Refn made this movie. <laughs> you know, imagine if someone like that who has a real perverse sensibility tackled something like Misery. I don't know yeah. if it's as disturbing. There might be a part of it that's too much. It might have felt a little too over the top. You know who they get? They get Robert Eggers to make this movie. Word. <laughs> Sign me up. Two-person show of people stuck in a little cabin trying to write something good. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that's that's what it is. It's Reiner, right? I don't want to like talk down about this because I really like this movie. I do, too. I think it's very, very good. Do you uh, think it's the weakest on the list besides The Running Man? It, in a way, it's close to the Running Man. I mean, technically, it's better, but yeah. Uh, oof. Because I think I like everything else more. You know, I think I do too. Yeah. In a way, yeah. I think I mean, ironically, I like Running Man more, but yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm on your side. But anyway, your your butt. But like like again, it, it a lot of this, and you know, we say this a lot sometimes. Just one performance can save a movie, and Kathy Bates is incredible. Yeah. And she's horrifying. And I don't, and I have a genuine fear of being stuck in a house of a, with maybe like a family member that I don't want to interact with, right. or a friend that I'm I'm sick and tired of, or that kind of thing. I mean, I, I do I do this every day with you, so uh, <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> likewise. <laughs> so, I'm so, your so, number one fan, Adam Hall. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> you're not my number one fan. Uh, <laughs> but this is, uh, yeah, it, it, like there's something about that that's a very real fear that I think we've all kind of thought of. And it gets even more complicated where you're trying to like, like the Stockholm syndrome with what's going on or the Florence Nightingale effect, which is so fucked up because she caused all the accidents in this movie. Yeah. And it's just so gross and, 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 and just wrong in every way. And it's, I've never wanted to be out of a location more, you know? Right. Well, also the feeling of being crippled and not being able to move without the help of your captor. Ugh, it's like, what are you going to do to me? Because you have entire control. Yes. It's, it's really terrifying, especially like when the power dynamics are switched and it's a man, an mm-hmm. emasculated man in the bed. And there's just this creepy religious woman who's like, who doesn't swear. Jiminy crickets. 
And like all of her like uh, almost swear words are just incredible in this movie. Yeah, yeah she's saying like s- stuff like that, and then she blows a guy's uh, uh, like like chest off with a shotgun at the end. <laughs> you know, it's like stuff like that, like that level of contrast, like that's and that's not an, necessarily an original thing, but it's so eerie and effective here. Yeah, it's one of the more out there best actress winners too. I also agree with that. I always thought that was kind of weird, but I'm all for it. I wish we had more winners like this, frankly. Me too, because. Uh, yeah. It's just not the type of performance or character the Academy tends to latch on to. Mm-hmm. But it was also one of those undeniable, like, oh, who's this woman? I know. You know? Like, know. put her in more things. And, you know, Kathy Bates has made a solid career for herself, and she's good in many things, and she's done a lot of good television work over the last couple of years, too. Uh, but to a certain extent, she's always been defined by this performance, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really think of much else besides this, in a way. I mean, really, this is the only thing that I really think of when I think of Kathy Bates. Yeah. And I know I've seen her in a lot of things. Titanic she's in. Yeah, but again, even that, she kind of reminds me of this character. Right. So. Now it's like a lot of American Horror Story. Yeah. Um, she she did like a courtroom drama a couple of years ago, too, uh, for NBC or something. No. She's one of those like reliable faces who's good in everything. But yeah. But it's this. You're entirely right. He didn't get in the cock-a-duty car. <laughs> it's like, okay. I will never use the word cock-a-duty again because mm. of the use of mm. it by Annie w- uh, Wilkes. It's so weird. And it, to this day, whenever I print something out on my, on you know, if I'm writing something and I and I have a, a couple letters, like for some reason, I, I, I check to see if it smudges. Oh, yes. The finger the finger through the ink. Mm. Gotta go back to the store, get some new sheets. Uh, it's so bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm so like OCD about it now because of this movie. Yeah, I don't. I was like, I don't want it to smudge. I also think, by the way, 2019 going on 2020 might be a good time to re-examine rabid fandom. Yeah, I feel like a story <laughs> like this would work very well, well in 2019. I, th- I think Castle Rock is doing misery. That that like oh Stephen really? King's, yeah, I think they are the Hulu series. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. So there you go. It, because there is a uh, a pretty thick line to be drawn between Star Wars fans hating The Last Jedi <laughs> and Annie Wilkes not liking that uh, the author killed Misery. You have to write it again. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, thinking about that now, especially because that's so true. Right? Like that essentially dictate. It's so weird thinking about that because fan reaction dictated Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, right. and now it's dictating The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It's really, really disconcerting. Yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones, you saw a similar thing. Yep. Uh, we haven't seen it with Marvel yet, but I imagine that's somewhere around the corner. Well, it's going to be as soon as Marvel stops making like movies that are like less than okay. Right, that are just making crowd pleasers. Yeah. Uh, the second they attempt anything challenging, fans get pissed off. That's true, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's on the nose, the commentary in Misery, but... I still think that's pretty true, and I think it's more true now than it was then. Uh, I agree. People take ownership over art, and, uh, you know, it can lead to shit like this. <laughs> so watch Misery, you dumbass fans. <laughs> this is you. No, 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 you're not James Conn. You are fucking Kathy Bates. You are Kathy Bates. Good movie, though. Hashtag you are Kathy Bates. <laughs> I want to do that if ever I see a bad review. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Hashtag Annie Wilkes. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, Misery's pretty awesome. You know, yeah. it's a great movie. I, I know, like, we're nitpicking it, but it's really good. And that 
Just goes to show you the strength of this list. Stephen King yep. has a lot of good adaptations. Uh, yes, absolutely. No, I, I really, I, I feel bad about like talking any shit of it because I really do like it. Yeah. I really, really do like it. But it's just great performances and awesome tension and yeah, misery, misery. One of those movies too. Like if you haven't seen it, you've seen it. Yeah, it's been referenced so many times. Exactly, constantly. Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. is the next on this list in chronological order. By the way, are you ready to talk about three Frank Darabont movies? We are talking about three Frank Darabont movies. We're digging head, Jesus. diving head first into All Frank right. Darabont. Let's go. Shawshank Redemption was the first. Yes. 1994. Tim Robbins stars, along with Morgan Freeman and Bob Gunton, nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score at the 1994 Academy Awards. Number 23 on AFI's all-time inspirational list, and 72 on their all-time movie list. Mm -hmm. And I should also note, the number one movie of all time, according to the Internet Movie Database. Two imprisoned men bond over a number of years, finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency. Um... I think there's a law. I mean, I, I haven't like uh, I haven't fact checked this, but I'm pretty sure like 20 years ago, Congress passed a law that said Shawshank Redemption must be on cable at least once every 24 hours because mm-hmm. this movie's on all the fucking time. Yes, all the time. <laughs> I have I've never seen a movie put on TV more than this. When I think of like cable, which is ironic because it would not be a cable movie. But it kind of has become a cable movie. Right. Because that's just where it lives. AMC, uh, that's the only thing keeping that network on the air. Because <laughs> I don't think people are like watching Lodge 49 with any veracity these days. Yep. It's just, it's Walking Dead and it's it's Shawshank Redemption reruns. It's on all the time. All the time. And not even just on, like, I see it everywhere. I see it not just on AMC, but I mean, I've seen it on, I think I've even seen it on TBS. Oh yeah, TNT, whatever. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, it's such a crowd pleaser. That's the thing about this movie. Um, could it be the biggest crowd pleaser of all time? Hmm. That's a tough question to answer. Because I think it's pretty damn close. The thing I'll say about this movie is that, I mean, it didn't start out that way. Yeah. What's amazing about this movie to me is that how it's very, I mean, small when it comes out and not seen by that many people. Yet, somehow, I have yet to meet anybody who hasn't seen the movie yeah right i have yet to meet anybody who does not like this movie yeah this is i think maybe not necessarily the most the 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 greatest crowd pleaser of all time or it could be the most beloved movie of all it's time. certainly the most universally beloved could be the most beloved film i've ever and and i you know what rightfully so hard to have a hot take on the shawshank redemption right it's 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 like a top 10 movie for me i fucking adore really it. i adore wow it. it's that high i love this movie wow i love this movie so much i saw this movie when i was too young to see it yeah and me too i think even then i was like yeah this is the best movie i've ever seen yeah, yeah. I, I was, mean, that's one of the reactions you have, yeah. And I was okay. I, I was perfectly okay with that. And it was strange because at the time, I would never have enjoyed a movie like this because at the, at the age at which I saw it, I would have said, oh, the movie like this with just a bunch of people in prison, that's boring. Right. You know, it's just a bunch of people talking the whole time. That's boring. But I was just captivated and fixated on the screen the entire time. There's something about everything everything with the characters and the direction and the cinematography by the great Roger Deakins. Oh, right. Yeah. And and, and just I, the way it traverses this story and where it goes. I, I, I love, I love, love this movie. 
I love it. It's my it's my favorite film of this year, by the way. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um. Look, I think you can make an argument. It's a really crowded year, and we'll talk about I it know, sooner I rather know. than later. Um. Yeah, you know, I think. All right. So this is one of the. I guess myths of the nineties independent scene is like this movie comes out and it's got a weird title and it doesn't do well at the box office. And then all of a sudden, because of home rental, people discover the movie and it it like breaks records at blockbuster and it becomes this massive thing. And I, I wasn't around in 1994. uh, So I can't like speak on that definitively. I do think that might've been a, tad overstated you think so i do i mean the movie you just heard the list got nominated for a shit ton of oscars Mm -hmm. so if a movie gets oscar attention there is a baseline of interest that it's going to garner commercially sure very few movies nominated for best picture lose money it's just very it's just not a thing that happens if it especially in the 90s when the oscars were watched at a much more uh, frequent rate than they are now. Oh, yeah. You know, it means more in 1994 to get nominated for Best Picture than in 2019. True. You know? So, yeah, I'm sure it did very well at the Oscars. I know it lost money at the box office, um, and I I know it did very well with Home Rental, but I still think people had an awareness for this movie, and I don't think it was that much of, like, a home rental sensation. I'd have to fact-check it, though, and research it more to be able to definitively say that. It's like this and the original Blade Runner are, like, the two, like, like fundamental, like, home home video rentals that just... They didn't become popular until that was a thing, essentially. But, I mean, a movie with Morgan Freeman in it, based on a Stephen King novel, it's gonna have a baseline audience. People are gonna at least pay attention to it. Well, he's not like a like the greatest star ever at this time. He was bankable. Mm, I don't know. He just did Drive Him as Daisy that won the freaking Oscar a few years ago. I don't know if he was that bankable, though. I'm not sure. Do you think they were coming to see this movie for him? I mean, obviously, I guess they weren't. It wasn't that commercially successful. No, it didn't. But I think that's, you know, it was a crowded field. Forrest Gump was out at the same time. Yeah. Think about it. If you went to the movie theater, I think it was like October 94, Jurassic Park, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank Redemption are all playing at the theater at the same time. It's true. So that's a lot of competition. It's true. Could you imagine being at AMC in 1994 being like, ah, what am I going to do next? The greatest CGI experiment of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the most uh, twisted uh, uh, linear uh, crime movie of all time. <laughs> You non, know, non-linear crime movie. Yeah, non-linear crime movie of all time, or just the, the greatest feel-good. It, it, it's just, you know, pick your poison there. So that's part of the reason why it didn't do well, is there were just so many good movies out in 94. True. True. Um, look, I lo- love this movie like everyone loves this movie. Yes. And there is something to be said for universal acclaim. There's something to be said for monoculture, a movie that we can all agree on, this is a great American export. This is a great thing that we can all wrap our arms around. You can watch it with your kids. You can watch it with your grandparents, your parents. My grandfather, this is his favorite movie. He balls his eyes out at the end every time. Oh, yeah. I've been there in the room. <laughs> Gets to the end. He, see, he reads the note on the fence. Crying. crying. Just uh, waterworks for hours. That's funny. Um, something to be said for that. And that is, uh, you know, it's an important thing. We need to be challenged. We need controversy. We need debate. But we also need something we can wrap our arms around and agree on. Yep. I think it would... Uh, look, I think it would be criminal to say this is not overrated. Because it is overrated. <laughs> unfortunately. But 
How by, can it not be overrated? By technicality, you mean? Yes. It's rated as the number one movie of all time on IMDb. It's nowhere close. It's, it's not. It's not top 30. It's If you want to say top 50, you can have an argument there. But it's... I would probably put it in top 30. Really? I don't, I don't think it's quite that good. <laughs> like, I think it's a pretty conventional story with a great Tim Robbins performance, which we never saw again, mm-hmm. with the exception of, I guess, Mystic River. Uh, a great Morgan Freeman performance, some awesome moments, an awesome script, Frank Darabont's best movie. All this is true. Uh, to be in that upper echelon, you kind of have to change the game, and I don't think this was a game changer. I just think it was a really good version of a familiar story. Sure, sure. It's the best version of this story, though. As, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, sure. It doesn't like change cinema necessarily. I don't necessarily, but it get, but like you said before, the, when it gets to the point where it's like every single person alive, you know, knows <laughs> and loves this movie. I mean, it's got one of the greatest legacies I think ever for a movie yeah. to go from where it started to to where it is now. I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's it's un it's unforgivable. I mean, not unforgettable. Jesus unforgettable, Christ, unforgettable. Yeah, you know, yes, this movie's unforgivable. Fuck this movie. Uh, <laughs> What's your favorite moment? Jeez. It's a tough, tough question. Uh, when they're drinking beer on the rooftop. Yeah? Maybe. Uh, okay, I go I go uh, break into the warden's office and the record. That's a wonderful. Listening to the music. Just Jeez. the look on his face in that. I love. Says everything. Well, that, I love that. I love Kid Pass, C plus average. Thought yeah. you'd like to know. <laughs> Turns over to see his little smile. I fucking love when he's being hung over the, the, the building and he's about to be dropped off, but he talks his way out of it. Yeah. It's a great tension. How about when he moment. gets talked out of getting raped? The oral sex of the, the trigger that, on the jaw. <laughs> Dude, there's, this movie is just jam packed. <laughs> I, I can, I watch the, this is a sick day movie. Sick day movies are my favorite movies. It's a healthy day movie too, man. Yeah. Any day. <laughs> Any, it's like, it's, it's the most accessible, perfect, well-rounded, awesome. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this movie. Goes there's, down smooth. There's nothing wrong with the Shawshank Redemption. Smooth as butter. And if you, if you don't like it, you should be imprisoned and, <laughs> uh, you should be put in the electric chair, specifically the electric chair. And, uh, yes, that, that's it for you. Is the creepy prison guard not going to wet the sponge? No, of course not. <laughs> they deserve the, the dry sponge. That's all I'm saying. You deserve, you deserve that. Trust me. So yes, it's, I, I, I don't know what to say, what else to say about that. Like again, and, we, we we come across movies like this a lot, actually. It's it's kind of funny when we come across movies like, what's wrong, what's wrong with this movie? What don't you like no, about this movie? No, nothing's wrong with it. It's it's not. And I, I hate to be devil's advocate on Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I, seriously, because of course I cried the first time I saw this movie, and of course I cry every time since. Um, You know, it's it's a crowd pleaser. And so what? So what? Are I, we in the business of rewarding crowd pleasers on the show? I don't know. Why not? I guess why not? I it didn't. We, we could we could reward whatever we want. That's true. We certainly have have given it to movies that weren't crowd pleasers. Yeah. So yeah, who cares? Who cares? We we fucking inducted the Manchurian Candidate <laughs> last show. For Christ's sake. Yeah, I don't know. D- uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a lack of enthusiasm over here. It's a great american classic of course it's yes. the fucking shawshank redemption yes. yes yes just 
I don't know. Settle down, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you know what you're talking about. I, I know plenty of what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm saying. You're just like, whatever. Let's talk about another prison movie directed by Frank Darabont from 1999 called The Green Mile. Tom Hanks is in this movie along with David Morse, Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. In another one of like his like uh, breakout performances, right? Yeah, correct. I think, was that like one of his first? I think so, yeah. I don't know what he would have done before this. Michael- well, actually, I, I, he did that movie made by that guy who did... Uh, he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in a supporting oh, role. Wow, okay. He was in a movie, uh, I think, Clown House, directed by some guy who who made Jeepers Creepers. Uh-huh. A lot of controversy around that movie because he molested someone on set. Really? Not Sam Rockwell, the director. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Um... I think that, yeah, I, th- I believe that's his first movie. What's the movie called? Clown House. Is, am, I, am I wrong? Am I totally wrong about this? Uh, I'm seeing a lot of TV stuff. Yeah, 1989 Clown House. Okay, okay. He was in The Equalizer, a TV show. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, nothing. Light Sleeper. <laughs> Happy Hell Night. That's right. Yeah, just a lot of garbage. So this was the breakout. Yes. For sure. Uh, oh, Basquiat, I guess he was in. Okay. And that was a couple years earlier. Jerry and Tom. Yeah, this this was the one, though. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan, of course, as well. The late mm-hmm. Michael mm-hmm. Clark Duncan. Mm-hmm. One of the most interesting actors of all time, I think. I just I, think that guy's presence is fascinating. I agree. Um, nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Duncan, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Sound. The lives of guards on death row are affected by one of their char- uh, one of their charges, a black man accused of child murder and rape, yet who has a mysterious gift. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we did two podcasts about 1999, and this just didn't find a place on either list. Um, and I don't necessarily regret that, because we're talking about it now. Um, you know, is there a little too much fat on the bone? Yeah. I think that's the only problem, right? I think so. I like this movie a lot. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I think it's a great film, but it's not, it's, I guess an interesting way to look at it is see the separation between watching something like this and watching something like the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. I can't really flip this on at any point in time. Huh. Yeah. I just can't do it. I like this movie a lot. See, I've rewatched it quite a bit actually. No, I, not to say that I haven't rewatched it, but I'm, I don't, I'm not like jumping at the bit to watch this, you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's like if I'm at home, you know, and, and I have just like five movies you know, and and two of them are Shawshank Redemption and this. I don't think I'm I'm rarely ever going to pick this movie. That's true. Rarely, yeah. I just think it's one hour too long. <laughs> like if you shave off an hour, this is a great movie. And I just think at its current runtime, it's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that it's super slow. It's not though. Like technically, it's not slow at all. Yeah, I think it moves pretty quick. I just think three hours is a lot of time to spend in one room for the most part. Essentially, yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, there's not there's not enough meat on the bone in terms of plot. There's just lots of character, though. Yeah. I mean, that's what saves the movie for me, are just these wonderful, I mean, main characters and supporting characters. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the, the thing that I, I do enjoy watching about this movie. It's like every once in a while I'll catch it on TV and a certain scene will come on. Like, like when, uh, I, like, I don't know, what's a... I guess when they're trying to like 
kill the mouse or Percy Mr. Stryker. Jangles. Yeah, like anything like that. It's just so so great. Or when Sam Rockwell first comes into into the scene and he's just fucking them up. Yeah, I think it's a great moment. <laughs> Where'd you come from, big fucker? <laughs> How about when Rockwell has the pie? He eats the pie and yeah. spits it in his face. <laughs> Where we going? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, they, dra- they drag him to the hole. He's frying now. They're cooking him good. <laughs> oh, boy. Percy, great villain. Piece of shit. Such a great villain in this. Pretty good in 24. Um, 24? Is he in 24? The guy that plays Percy? Mm-hmm. Who does he play in 24? He's in like the last season. He is? Yeah. Come on. Come on, Nico. How do you not know this? Doug Hutch... Now he's going to look for it. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was in, yeah, 2010. Okay, so not yeah. technically the last season, but the, of the original run. Yeah. I don't remember him at all. You don't? No. No, yeah, he's really pretty good in that. I remember, um, uh, who, who, who the hell was in that last season? <laughs> I don't think I saw the last, last season. Freddie Prince Jr., that's right. Oh, okay, okay. Cherry Jones played the president, yeah. I see. Yeah, that was towards the... Those were the dog days of 24 season 8. Wow. Um, yeah, that guy is just super compelling. Um, and of course, you know, you got Hanks at the center. Mm-hmm. What do you make of, like, the supernatural element? Because the movie is similar to Shawshank, is not really Stephen King aside from the supernatural stuff. I mean, there's nothing Stephen King really about Shawshank. No. But this, yeah, this works its way into that where it's like it's introducing a supernatural element to an otherwise very cold and and you know distant thing that you know people don't would never accept something like like this you know the the characters in this movie very purposely would never believe in something like this that's happening because they're forced to do literally the opposite of what michael clark duncan's character's purpose is and it's it's an i i find that kind of interesting though that they would set that like a jesus figure who's going to be killed ultimately inside, you know, w- w- with these guys who are just conditioned to kill people all the time, you know, because it's their job. Mm. And it's, it's, cause the thing is, it's very realistic aside from that though. Oh yeah. Which is kind of strange, but I, I, you know, I, I don't have, have that much of an issue with it, I guess. And there's something about the aesthetic that kind of lends itself to that, uh, that quality. And I also think it's the, the plot line of, uh, the Mr. Jingles character. I think tonally, Tonally, the, the rat. You're saying the rat has a character arc? I think it technically does. <laughs> actually, interestingly enough, the plot line of Mister Jangles. Yeah, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I, I actually, yeah, <laughs> that could be the most pretentious film snob thing you've ever said. No, the the, the, the arc of Mister Jangles in this film really shows th- the decay of the American no, man. It would be pretentious if I said the arc of Mister Jangles, <laughs> which is what you said. You said the Mister Jangles character. Did I say that? The yes. Plot, the plot line. Okay. Yeah, that's a little different. All right. I'm talking about that story. Okay. Yeah, and there's something. There's something about the inclusion of that that just makes the 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 supernatural element feel more appropriate. I guess. Yeah. Um. The visual too of Michael Clark Duncan just that's also true. Vomiting the fireflies. Yeah. Is um you know a little weird, but it does feel it's like tonally of a piece. I know. Well, it's surprisingly so is what I'm saying. I wouldn't have. I would. Most movies, I don't think would have pulled that off successfully whatsoever yeah but this one surprisingly does do it that being said if you take that part out i think the movie works just as well right that's, that's the only thing it's that we i don't know if you necessarily I, I don't think it makes or breaks the movie yeah yeah so for sure it's good um yeah it's a it's a really good movie actually mm-hmm. um it's not a great movie um 
a little more focused, uh, a little faster. Uh, I, I just, I, th- I think would do it a lot of good. Just, you know, getting another editor in the editing suite. <laughs> Maybe. I think would have done the movie a lot of favors. But that being said, these are characters that I will never forget. Michael Clark Duncan. Any of them, really. As John Coffey. That's just a name that just sticks in your head and... Mm-hmm. Just what an interesting actor that guy was. Oh yeah, and it's a, it's a shame he passed so so abruptly. Like right. just kind of went. It's like wait, 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 what happened to him? You know, he was so big and physical, but yeah. gentle and tender. And, I know. You know, you got Hanks there just doing his thing, and Rockwell's so fun, and Percy's such a dickwad when yep. he doesn't wet the sponge. Ah, that's one of the most horrifying scenes ever and i remember my parents like warning me about that when when we watched it it's just like this is bad or it's like did you i remember like when i would catch it on tv because for some reason it was never edited yeah and uh they'd be like oh wait did you you, you watch the green mile i was like yeah of course it's like did, did you get to the sponge scene i was like oh no i think i caught it the, the second half of the movie i didn't see that yeah. like okay good <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah cause, and when i finally did see it i was just like depressed for the rest of the night <laughs> quite troubling indeed um i, I it's but I, I understand why we didn't nominate it for 1999. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've both sort of acknowledged, like, yeah, it can't get in. Not perfect. No. Good. But no, no. severely flawed and imperfect, that's all. Very good. Very important to, for, to us to express it's extremely good. In a lot of ways, it feels like more of a crowd pleaser than uh, the Shawshank Redemption, if I'm being completely honest. To me, at least, it feels more like that. Well, uh, it's a little cornier. That's the thing. Right? Yeah. Uh, the supernatural elements. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's. I, I don't know. I mean, both are the same. I, I mean, Green Mile is a poor man's Shawshank. That's the other thing too. Yeah. Is same director, same author, so. same style. It just feels like the redheaded bastard of, the, <laughs> of you know, sure. of the Stephen King prison movies. All right, that's fair. just the reality of it. If Shawshank doesn't exist, Green Mile is a way better movie. I think in most people's heads. Fair, you know. All right. All right. Let's move on. Last movie on the list, a final Frank Darabont film. It's called The Mist <laughs> from 2007. Yep. It stars Thomas Jane, Marsha Gay Harden, Laurie Holden, and Andre Brower, along with um, a bunch of cast members of Frank Darabont's upcoming Walking Dead. Exactly. I know that. Laurie Holden. Um, who's the guy... That that played the older man. Jeffrey DeMunn. Jeffrey DeMunn is in it. He's in every single Darabont film. Oh, is that right? He was the lawyer in Shawshank Redemption, and he's one of the guards in Green Mile. There you go. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Jeffrey DeMunn, sure. Uh, and then the woman that played Carol, who continues to play Carol on Walking Dead. Oh, that's right. She is in that. Yeah. She's yeah, in this yeah, movie yeah, yeah, as the yeah. mom. Okay, 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 that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this was only three years, I think, before Walking Dead kicked off. So, uh, A freak storm unleashes a species of bloodthirsty creatures on a small town where a small band of citizens hole up in a supermarket and fight for their lives. Uh, I would propose to you this is one of the more underrated movies of the last 10 to 20 years. Well, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> you're 100% correct. But you, you there's, 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 I, will, I will not disagree with you there. And I saw this movie recently, I think last year. Oh, wow. Year, or maybe two years ago I, I saw it. And I, I distinctly remember when it came out. And a lot of people had told me about it, and they said, yeah, that, f- like, fuck this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? Why? I mean, it looked kind of cool. And they're like, yeah, that ending can go fuck itself. A lot of right. that. A lot of that. This is one of the most notorious endings maybe ever. Um, Don't you understand that, though? 
Mm-hmm. You understand why they would have hated it. Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and But then I saw it, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is like a top three, top five maybe Stephen King adaptations. Huh. I like kind of love this movie and huh. everything about it. It's, 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 oh my God. There's times when I kind of like it more than the Green Mile. Maybe not as good. Hmm. I love, I think it's so, like shockingly underrated. I will say that more than anything. Why this film is not like, like at least generally acclaimed <laughs> is, is kind of annoying. I think it's great. <laughs> okay. So it's a really schlocky premise. That's it part one. Should have been in black and white. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah, Darabont wanted to do in a black and white. And I think there is a black and white edition. Yes, that there exists, is. Right? And it makes a lot more sense. Okay. Um, the sci-fi premise, really silly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, like, what is it? There's a wormhole that's opened up at the local factory? It's it's like a... Like a uh-oh. Uh-oh, the marathon session is setting yeah, in. Yeah, we've been doing this for too long. <laughs> Pulling back the curtain. We're doing three podcasts oh, in a row tonight. Geez, we're almost done. <laughs> we're almost done. Uh, no, it's like at a military base, and they're, they're a scientific military base, and they're experimenting, and then they open some wormhole, and aliens come in, and they start terrorizing the town. Yes, right. yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So it's like Stranger Things, basically. It's the upside down. Pretty much interdimensional species or yeah and so it's a bunch of people stuck in a supermarket and it's this like uh test case of what happens when people are pushed to their logical extremes exactly um and i look i think on the surface it's one of the sillier stephen king premises um and i also think some of the stuff that happens here specifically with Marsha gay harden's character is quite on the nose mm-hmm. and over the top with the sort of religious allegory if you want to call it that or I guess the poking fun at religious people. More than that, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just in terms of execution, it's just really solid and proficient. Yes. You know? And I just think like Thomas Jean's really good in the movie. Mm-hmm. And Darabont does a pretty good job directing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just really scary. I agree. It's just a scary movie, right? Yeah, it's tense as fuck, and it's dreadful. Like a lot of movies, uh, a lot of movies nowadays. Like if you're if you're talking about like the monsters or the slasher villains, I don't know who thought this this was a good idea, but uh, nowadays you can have a conversation with the slasher killer. Yeah, and I fucking despise that right there's nothing that breaks the tension more than sitting down and talking with the killer right and michael myers takes off the mask and he in, tells people about his daddy issues <laughs> have you seen rob zombies halloween no but you've implied that that's what happens you, there's literally a scene where he's about to kill Lori, and he takes off his mask and just sits there with her right and that's it sure it's terrible yeah but one thing that i love to say about um the older ones, like like Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, is that you want to stay as far away from Freddy Krueger as humanly possible. Because yeah. as soon as he touches you, you're going to die. Right. And it's exactly the same way with these monsters. Yep. Stay as far away from them. Cut yourself off from them. Whatever you do, do not touch these goddamn things or else you're going to be horribly killed, like really violently killed. And yeah. that, the other thing that caught me off guard when I saw this is that I didn't expect it to be as gruesome as it actually is. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a really fucked up movie, in, oh, my, yeah. in my opinion. and. I think the horror imagery is is some of the best I've ever seen, especially with the spider grocery store oh, scene. Oh, yes. Oh, where the spiders start crawling out of the guy because they've cocooned in his corpse. I could feel them inside me. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, there's... The, I, oh, Jesus. I, I hate shit like that, man. These oh, creatures just... 
and then they heebie-jeebies they shoot these like acid webs and they fall on you like lightly fall on you and then they just cut your arm off right oh my god it's 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 really horrifying stuff even the giant like cicada looking things yeah that were attracted to the light and that just start hitting up on the glass yeah that's right i'll yeah, man, all this stuff is really freaky. And again, like this is schlocky B movie shit for the most part. This yeah. is like old school Universal monster movie stuff. Yeah, and the, the visual effects aren't always all there. No, it's but... it's yeah, the CGI is it's sometimes tough to buy. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I just think it works as a horror movie. Um, I will say this. I guess here's my question, my one nitpick, and this is actually not a nitpick. This is a big picture thing. Uh, if we are led to believe that in this universe interdimensional beings can emerge from wormholes Mm -hmm. and wreak havoc on a small town. Yeah. Why is it so crazy to believe that a God exists? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Well, I say that a lot in real life, actually. No, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like in this unit, like Stephen, the point of this movie, it's like a deeply like secular movie. It's, it's, um, uh, it's like, yeah, religious people are crazy. Mm hmm. Why do you believe the stories of the Bible? But meanwhile, I'm supposed to believe that there's an octopus creature out there <laughs> ready to rip my face off. You fair, understand the men? Fair point. You know, the mental gymnastics you have to go. I'm just saying, man. Well, yeah, sure. I, I, I could walk away from it. And I mean, may, maybe I could just look at someone like uh, Marcia Gate Harden's character and just be like, that's just a, one of the bad examples. Like, she's just, like, she's sort of an exception to the rule, that kind of thing. I don't know many people like her, if I'm being completely honest. I I know, like, maybe one or two. I know people with shades of her, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. But not like that. Not, like, violently Christian or anything like that. Right. But I don't think the movie lives and dies on the the secular notions that it's posing. I think it... Well, I think that's the main theme, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think... Well, with the... it's more, I think, what you touched on earlier, like like what what humanity is pushed to if it, if it condenses itself too much. If it feels like it has no way out, what will we actually do well, to Well, the each answer other? is religion. Yeah. Right? Well, well, what about that ending, though? I feel like a lot of like the point the movie makes is, is dictated by that ending. It's, and it's, I, I want you to talk about it without spoiling it, because I think a lot of listeners probably haven't seen the movie, and giving away the ending would really fuck things up for them. Well, it's one of those movies for me that where it... it, it, it poses an interesting question about what we're willing to do given the right circumstances and sort of commenting on, on our just our general flaws as human beings in a lot of ways. I mean, I mean the movie ends with you being like what they did was a big mistake. Yeah. Like very clearly a big mistake. If in saying like re- resorting to these like animalistic urges is just simply not the way out. You have to be a little more, more caring and, and, and you know, empathetic and whatnot and, and seek out, greater solutions than that before before anything it's like the, the point is like don't give up too quickly right and also that we default to violence almost. exactly like it's almost like a failed switch or fail safe yeah precisely it's like human beings when there are no other answers in the in your immediate foreground it's mm-hmm. like you just okay. shoot something yeah you know and that's how we fight our way out of everything mm-hmm. um and sometimes that's not always the way to go yeah, uh, you know, that ending was a Darabont idea. Mm-hmm. It's not how the book ended. The book actually ended a lot more hopefully. Okay. Um, Darabont proposes the ending. Stephen King's like, wow, how come I didn't think of that? Really? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. And total seal of approval. All right. And uh, I think, to a certain extent, the movie is kind of known for that ending, right? Very much so. 
Yeah. Like this is a thing that had people talking at least when it came out. Yeah. In my experience anyway, like people would not shut up about this ending. Yep. It was an oddly talked about film in, yep. my, in my circles. And I was like surprised. I was like, really? Like, yeah, this weird horror movie called The Mist. It really fucked with us. And that ending, fuck this movie. Notoriously you know? bleak. Yes. But it's not that bleak though is the thing i mean it, it is it isn't it isn't i mean it's bleak and it's 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 um like like statements on humanity but at the same time it's also saying like like try harder at least sure in my, in, in my experience i i know what you mean yes i understand what you mean i think though just on a story level that's about as depressing an ending as you could oh, possibly dream up no 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 i i'm not i'm not saying that it's not depressing <laughs> yeah. at all but i wouldn't call it totally bleak it doesn't end on the note that we're all fucked necessarily right. yeah right it's actually we're not fucked so just hang in there guys it'll be better soon yes it's it's asking us to learn from the character's mistakes um, Thomas Jane really good in the movie. Yeah, I agree. He's never like anybody that like impresses me. Although yeah. I, I hate to say this, I don't mind him as the Punisher. Oh, okay. He's all right as the Punisher. You know, I've never seen that movie. Well, Travolta's in it, right? And you should probably see it for that. Probably should. Yeah. <laughs> you might. You might ironically like that. Did movie. you see the Punisher? So. They did the TV show. Did you see that? No. Did you? No. Okay. I gave up on those Marvel Netflix shows a while ago. Yeah, I didn't see it. After Daredevil Season 2, Episode 1. That was it for me. <laughs> yeah, it figures. I was out. I like that first season. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, is that going to do it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So, I see this as a two-horse race, personally. Me as well. Uh, we have The Running Man. <laughs> yep and, uh, accurate and the mist and the running man that's and, what uh, I got. Oh, okay <laughs> that's my two options well i think i gotta go to the running man yeah um you got 1980s the shining which was ambitious and provocative and not everybody loves but really changed the game and you have shawshank redemption which everyone agrees is just a wonderful crowd-pleasing movie uh that didn't really change things all that much no and i think this is gonna be uh a pretty interesting uh, test case for what we're looking for on this podcast, because I can't think of two more diametrically opposed movies. And I think what we do now will dictate the course of the movie Hall of Fame to a certain extent. <laughs> you always want to make things out to be more important than they actually are. I'm just going to say that now. I just think it's an existential crisis, man. Well, I, yeah, I don't know what you go with for this. It's a good question. Yeah, it's a very good question. What do you think? I mean, my heart's always going to be with Shawshank Redemption. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I honestly think it's the better movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that as the case. Mm. I really don't. I, I think also this is how you define better. Um, like if you're an auteurist, if you, you know, value like an ambitious director and his visual style and you put that ahead of just like script and acting or whatever, The Shining is undoubtedly the better movie. But if you're one of those guys that's like, oh, I kind of like looking at it as a whole, and I like pretty good direction and pretty good writing and pretty good acting. I think uh, I think it's phenomenal across the board for that. They're just playing to different to different stories here. No, but they're not though. One is a horror movie, so yes, right out the gate, yes, you are, and that's okay. To say that Frank Darabont's directing job in Shawshank is anywhere close to Kubrick in The Shining is just inaccurate. It's not as far off as you think. <laughs> it kind of is, bro. No, it's not. I disagree. It's just harder. Yeah. It's a harder project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, most horror movies are. Yeah. It's it's just... Uh, and look, it's... 
I still think he may have had to do more, though. I mean, Shawshank is a much bigger movie in that way. Bigger in terms of sets? Yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, I'm, I'm sure Darabont had to do a little bit more than Kubrick ever had to do. I also think about, like, what movie is closer to my heart? And I yeah. know it's weird for me to be picking the horror movie and not the feel-good prison <laughs> film. Uh, but The Shining is my favorite horror movie ever. Um, and the imagery in that will last with me far longer than Andy Dufresne never made a sound. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Andy Dufresne crawled, crawled through a pile of shit and came out the other side a free man. Yeah. That's nothing compared to Danny riding his tricycle on that carpet. No. That iconic carpet. And if you tell me, as, uh, look, we we have the evidence this week a Shining sequel is coming out. If you told me we're doing a Shawshank Redemption sequel, I'm not as interested. I'm still interested, though. I think most people are interested. I'd rather return to the world of The Shining. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right. So those are my arguments. Um, I feel pretty strongly about it, and uh, I wonder if you feel the same way. I don't know. I, I just, I just don't think as far as like a well-rounded piece. I don't. Again, Shawshank is, doesn't get anything wrong. It, it, it just. What does The Shining get wrong? It just doesn't. Uh, I mean, I would personally say it's probably like next to flawless. I don't know if everyone would agree with me. Again, I don't care about everybody. There, I, I, I do really have to say, like, it is, it, it is amazing how how important this the Shawshank Redemption is to most people. It just and as a word Yeah, it is. As, as a, it's like one of the great stories ever told in American cinema. It, it, I wouldn't reg- go that far. Nah, regardless of how like 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 familiar it is, like this is the one that people think of. It just it just kind of is. And I I, I don't, really don't want to take away from that direction. Frank Darabont is killing it in this movie. And I mean just some wonderful beautiful characters and some in- incredible on a technical level just I mean in, in my opinion just as much as the shining uh yeah I, I don't know man <laughs> and also we got to look at what changed the game and like, like well, the shining is taught at film school and I don't think the Shawshank redemption is um, change the game sure I, I I don't know if I'm trying to remember if I ever had any classes devoted to both. I feel like I we might have had a discussion about both at a certain point, but one I I, I think Shawshank has the greater legacy. Maybe I think it has the I, I think it's a, a more impressive legacy, and I think it's the film that most people look back on more fondly. I think it's if you're going to ask like what's the best Stephen King movie, and you pose these candidates to them, most of them are probably going to say Shawshank Redemption. Uh, and again, quality is a subjective question. Yeah, I mean, so we'll go impact, we'll give to The Shining, and we'll give Shawshank Legacy. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, here? and then quality, I don't fucking know, man. Uh, it's, one of, it's one of those scenarios. I, you can, you know, I could go either way. <laughs> my, my, I guess my only argument is that it'd be nice to induct Shawshank so we don't have to argue about this in Pulp Fiction. Ah! So. And here's what I would suggest to you. Number one, we haven't inducted a Stanley Kubrick movie yet. I know. Um, it's about time we did that. Mm-hmm. And number two, I really want to have that discussion. Of course you do. I think it'd be a shit ton of fun to do this on a podcast. <laughs> so yeah, here's what I'll say, man. Uh, look, if you can... <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about Shawshank next week. Yeah. So can we do that? Yeah, sure. Okay, why not? Right. You okay. want to just get this out of the way? <laughs> so let's let's do this. All right. Let's put The Shining in for now. Okay. And let's table Shawshank because next week we will be doing... The year 1994, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see if Shawshank can get in <laughs> after a second bite at the apple. Okay. Okay? Okay. So for now, congratulations to Stanley Kubrick's The Shining.
Good job. Into the movie Hall of Fame. Okay. Yeah, okay, we're good. I'm fine with that. I, 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 I want it in the movie Hall of Fame. Yes. It or it deserves a place. Yes, it absolutely. absolutely deserves yes, yes, a place. I not, talked about it. I wanted to put it in over Raging Bull. Yeah, I'm not I'm not disagreeing. It's a it's a good choice. Yeah. It's the fucking shining. And I also think it's yeah, I just think it's the best I don't know. It's the best movie here. Nah. Nah, <laughs> it's not. It's not. All right, the, let's draft nineteen ninety four. Yeah. It's okay. interesting that we put in the biggest fuck you to Stephen King. You know what? I think that's appropriate. Yeah, I don't mind that. That actually makes it a little better for me. Right? Yeah. I think it's a pr- the one that Stephen King approves of the least <laughs> is the best. Yes. So way to go. That That is our podcast in, in a nutshell. Not a coincidence. <laughs> All, All right. right. So uh, we're going to draft the year 1994 next. All right. Um, so. And for some reason, we're not going to nominate Shawshank Redemption. May I go first? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm going to do this now. So, yeah. I'm going to do this now because I really don't want it to get left off. I'm nominating Hoop Dreams. Okay. Never seen Hoop Dreams. Oh, boy. Are you going to enjoy? Okay. I believe the first documentary oh. that will ever be discussed on this podcast. Okay. I hear it's fantastic. It is uh, Roger Ebert's number one movie of the 90s. Wow. Okay. And it is quite something. So, Hoop Dreams. Whew, it's a good year. Uh, true lies came out (laughs) (laughs) all right pulp fiction all right i'll do shawshank for you then okay and of course we gotta go forrest gump and um jesus oh man i guess we go oh my god the lion king This, is, this year's <laughs> fuck. This is a good year. I mean, I guess I go. There's some. Solid, I guess I go quiz show. Maybe no, no. Quiz show's really good. You're 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 gonna you're gonna not put on the Lion King. I mean, Lion King's a yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I guess I got it's, to. It's the Lion King. I mean, I don't know. What do we have to say about the Lion King? Is there anything to say? That hasn't been said already. So you, you really want to talk about Quiz Show? I mean, I love Quiz Show, but I mean, like, is that your? First? I mean, Ed Wood is better than Quiz Show. You but, think? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, you've talked me into. It. I'll do the Lion King. Okay, okay. If you went Natural Born Killers, I would have. No, I was about to. Oh my! I came God. very close. Are you for real? You came You're very close. You, okay, you officially suck. <laughs> Fucking Natural Born Killers. I came super super close. Kiss my ass. You know what? Natural Born Killers. <laughs> You know, you talked me into Lion King, and then you kept talking, and now you talked yourself out of it. Natural Born Killers, I'm nominating it. Piece of shit. Go ahead, nominate Clerks, and let's call it a list. I'm doing one more? Yeah. How many was that? That was five. Oh, that was five? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Do I want to nominate Clerks? It's up to you. I don't care what you do. I guess we're never going to nominate a Kevin Smith movie ever again. (laughs) It's okay with me. Uh, (laughs) I love The Lion King. (laughs) Do what you want. I love the wine. Edward. Right. <laughs> Fine. I don't care what you do. Live your life, man. You just want me to talk about natural born killers and that's it? Get my feelings out there? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. That's fine. You don't, you don't want to do Lion King. 
I do want to do Lion King. Well, I mean, be... whatever you want to do. Would we have like, that much of a conversation about the Lion King? I, no, I don't think so. I think we'd have a better conversation about Leon the Professional, to be honest with you. Yeah, we probably would. Uh, we'll, okay, we'll save Lion King for an animated films, podcasts, whenever the fuck we're Or Clerks. That. I mean, put Clerks in. Why not? I like Clerks. I might feel better about Clerks even than Leon, Leon the Professional. So what do you want to do? Clerks? Fine. Clerks. Okay. Clerks. I don't want to influence your decision. You can do whatever you want. I don't know. It's your don't podcast, to. too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. Okay, uh, okay so uh, <laughs> Clerks. All right. <laughs> Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Clerks, Natural Born Killers, <laughs> and Hoop Dreams. I hate you. <laughs> Are you for real? Natural Born Killers? You will be thanking me for Hoop Dreams. Okay. Long movie, though. Carve out some time. How long? It's three hours. All it's right. a three-hour documentary. Okay, okay. Carve out some time. I'll give it a shot. It's it's like one of the great things that I've ever seen. It's just um, a masterpiece. It's really, really good. If this if this turns into another Nashville, I'm going to kick your ass. There is no way you have the same response to Hoop Dreams as Nashville. <laughs> I'm going to show you of that right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, Nico, you nominated that thing. Oh, boy. All right. All right. All right. Whatever. Cool. Good year, 1994. That's coming next week. Here on the Movie Hall of Fame. Adam, thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it, it, it's, been, it's been fun. We got one more podcast to record. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to do that tonight, and then uh, we're done. We'll see you all very soon, though. Uh, next week, more movies from the past here on your favorite movie podcast on the internet, Movie Hall of Fame. Yeah. Go to the website, tmt.media, too many thoughts, media.com <laughs> for more of our shenanigans we're here forever until we die <laughs> sorry guys uh and folks until next time plug it up carrie plug it up 